0: hello and welcome back to 365 days with MxM tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, videomaker, Oakland native, and a lover of the printed world. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and saying lists every single time I start a podcast episode. Each day I'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you so let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MxM2 every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's three, sixty, five, Today in seventeen thirty-two, Benjamin Franklin published Poor Richard's Almanac, a book of weather predictions, humor, proverbs, epigrams, calendars, sayings, demographics, recipes, trivia, and aphorisms. he published it under the pseudonym Richard Saunders. The actual Richard Saunders was an English doctor and astrologist who used the pen name Cardinus Ryder, an anagram of Richard Saunders. He had written earlier almanacs called Ryder's British Merlins, which were published from 1626 until the 1830s. The poor in poor Richard came from yet another almanac, the poor Robin, which was first published in 1664. Confused yet? Well, don't worry. Franklin tried to obfuscate on purpose. Franklin intended it as a book of instruction for commoners who could not afford multiple books, but he riddled it with jokes and hoaxes. Franklin was inspired by the works of satirist Jonathan Swift, who became famous for such outlandish schemes as writing an essay that proposed selling and eating children as a way to help poor families. It was an allegory for the heartless attitude noblemen had towards the poor. He also wrote less absurd, more literary works like Gulliver's Travels. As you probably figured out, Franklin's was far from the first almanac. The concept began in Britain, and the first North American almanac was published in 1639 by a man named William Pierce who worked at Harvard. A man named Nathaniel Ames also published them from 1726 until 1755. The Poor Richard's almanac grew in popularity until it was selling 10,000 copies per year. It was published every year for 25 years. The success of Franklin's version of the almanac is attributed to his ability to update past calendars with his notorious wit. Benjamin Franklin was born in Boston, 1706, and his interest in printing began at age 12. When apprenticing for his brother, a local printer, Franklin became Pennsylvania's official printer of currency in 1729. In addition to printing poor Richard's almanac, he also published a newspaper, the Pennsylvania Gazette. The Almanac became Benjamin Franklin's most successful business endeavor, and it made him rich. Though today he's mostly known as a founding father, his occupation was actually printer for most of his life. Ben Franklin's writing projects sometimes veered from the popular to the ridiculous. He thought that European intellectuals were too pretentious, so he wrote a satire paper, fart proudly, to make fun of it. His habits were just as eccentric. He practiced air-bathing, which is literally sitting in your open window, naked, claiming it helped with air circulation. Napoleon Bonaparte had the almanac translated into Italian, and it was also translated into French. By the mid-1700s, Franklin's interest shifted from paper to science. He ended up inventing bifocals, the lightning rod, a wire that protects buildings during a lightning strike, and his own stove. He was the first president of the school that would become the University of Pennsylvania. He later served on the Second Continental Congress and helped write the Declaration of Independence. Only three copies of Benjamin Franklin's first almanac still exist today. One was found just a decade ago, in 2009, in the Library of the Berwick Historical Society in Pennsylvania. Berwick is the same town where Franklin originally printed his copies of the almanac. The oldest almanac that is still being made today is the Farmer's Almanac, which began in 1792. Today, in 1997, Titanic was released. I know what you're thinking. That's not a music fact. Just wait. The Titanic soundtrack went on to sell 15 million copies, and that number is often attributed to the popularity of the movie's theme. My heart will go on. Let's dig a little deeper into that song of everlasting love. It remains one of the best-selling singles of all time, and is the second best-selling single by a female artist in history. James Horner, the composer for the Titanic soundtrack... Composed the underlying melody, which was used in several other songs in the film as well. Lyricist Will Jennings was hired to write the lyrics, and he chose to write them from the perspective of a person looking back on a much earlier love. Sounds like the plot of Titanic, of course. At first, James Cameron, the director of Titanic, didn't want a song like this to run in the credits, and Celine Dion didn't want to sing another epic theme ballad so soon after her work on Beauty and the Beast. Dion was convinced to try it as a demo by her husband, and Jennings waited until Cameron was in a good mood to let him hear the finished product. He ended up approving the song, and I'm sure that both Dion and Cameron are grateful that they ended up getting on board. When Dion performed the song at the 1998 Academy Awards, she even wore the iconic Heart of the Ocean pendant from the film, and it won the 1998 Academy Award for Best Original Song. It also swept the Grammys, winning Celine Dion Awards for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Female Pop Performance, and Best Song Written specifically for a motion picture or television. Just like my heart, the song's legacy goes on and on. It was named A Song of the Century, VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 90s and AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs. It spent two weeks at number one on the Billboard 100. This song has been lovingly parodied by Saturday Night Live and South Park and still influences memes today. Dion performed the song for its 20th anniversary at the Billboard Music Awards in 2017. This year, Celine Dion released a spoof of her own, with the lyrics shifted to be about COVID nineteen pandemic. Near, far, wherever you are, make sure you're practicing social distancing. And now for our final segment of the day, I will be going into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on December nineteenth in my December nineteenth, twenty seventeen. I bought myself cloud goggles. Do you all remember clout goggles? The white frame? Um, I don't even know how to explain them. I can't even remember why those rose to popularity. Apparently they were popular enough that I wanted to buy a pair for myself. I don't even know where they are anymore. I think I might have given them to somebody. (laughs) But that's it. Come back tomorrow for more weird and funky facts, and please subscribe on your favorite podcasting device. I'll see you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM2